You also talk about the importance of the process of implementation rather than the technology itself, which is an echo of what you've just been saying yes. about, you know, that example of the role of the phone in a caring situation. And this, this is where I need you to explain to me what you're saying, because I, I get that you're focused on the research, on the process rather than the technology, but I can't, un, I don't understand what the implications are for a researcher going into the field. So you're going into the field, you're talking to people. Uh, what are you actually, you know, how are you exploring these concepts that you're describing? Yeah, look, we use, in the Emerging Technologies Lab, we, we use a whole range of different techniques. And what we really try to do is to understand what it would be like, what it would feel like to be in a possible future with an emerging technology. So rather than just study what happens to people and how people feel about things in the present moment, we're really actually trying to understand what possible futures could feel like. Because my argument is that if we can make possible futures feel right, then we're doing the right thing. Okay. If we can make we can if we can make or work towards creating possible futures where people feel hope and they feel trust, as I've described. That's what we need to aim for. So, but we don't actually know what we need to aim for because we don't know what those possible futures are going to be like. So that's why we try to simulate and co-create possible futures with research participants. Um, so we can gain an understanding of how could, a, what would we need to do to make a possible future feel right? for that person um, how would the values that they have be experienced in that possible future but also of course we have to think about how we align those values to our values as researchers and also to institutional values and to values that support planetary health and planetary futures as well um, so one of the things that we've tried to do is that we've asked research participants to role play possible future technologies. Now, why do we do that? Um, we do it because we want to know what those technologies would actually be like if they had human values. I've got two examples. One is in the project. So can, I, can I just clarify something there? Yes, yes, You're saying that you get people to role play the technology. So Yes. Okay, so, so I, I am some imaginary device that we've all agreed. Yes, yeah, so we've got two examples I'll talk you through. One is... Um, one is where we actually ask people to role play being a sensor technology in a park. So this activity we called, um, if I was a sensor. And the other activity was where we asked people to role play being a, an imagine, imagined new future air filtration uh, or purification technology. So let me tell you a little bit more about how we did that. Um, the first project was one where we collaborated with the city of Melbourne. And um, there we wanted to understand how people felt about sensor technologies in one of the parks in the city, which were collecting data. Now they're collecting all kinds of data um, around park bench use, around use of the bins, but also environmental data, um, weather data, um, soil data, um, all kinds of things, which could really enable um, the city to know a lot more about what was happening, the whole, those whole dynamics of the park. But, um, we really love working with the city of Melbourne because they've got such 
terrific ethics and values. And um, and they needed to understand, wanted to understand um, how that city date, how, how the people of the city who used the park, the square, felt about it and what their values were and how that could become aligned. Um, so that's why in that project, we wanted to understand how the sensor technology, what the sensor technology would do, what it would be like if it really embodied the human values of the people who use the city. So we asked some questions, you know, about what data would they collect? Who would they share the data with? What other organizations would they share it with if, with, if they did at all? How they would like to make the data available to the people of the city? How they think the people of the city would use the data? Um, so opening up all of those possibilities actually enabled us to understand the data that would flow in and out of those sensors, how it could be used, but to, to moderate all of that with those real human values. And also, again, we go back to hope and trust. Um, what would it be that people would hope to be able to know from the sensors? How would they use it? How would it enable them to understand and plan for the day that they were having? Um, what interest would it have for them? So that's one example. The other example is in our Digital Energy Futures project in the Emerging Technologies Lab. And um, in this project, we'd learn, we've learned that um, the market for um, air filtration and purification technologies is going up as air quality goes down. And of course, in Australia, with bushfires, um, allergens, asthma, thunderstorms, um, the pandemic, um, of course, there is increasing concern about the air. Um, so we wanted to understand um, how participants in our project actually, what they envisaged future air technologies in their homes would be like. So we asked them to invent the technologies um, in a workshop situation. And the technologies that most people invented then were able to do air conditioning, so heating and cooling and purification and filtration and dehumidification and some other functions in, in, and remove mold and all kinds of things in, in some of them. Um, but again, having a new technology in your home like that supposes quite a lot of new um, elements. There's going to be sensor technologies, there's going to be data flowing in and out of your home, data that could be collected about you and other people in your home, the use of weather data, communication, there's going to be the use of energy. Um, so there's quite a lot going on. So again, we wanted to understand um, what kind of level of control people would want to have over these technologies? What would be acceptable to people in relation to the data that was shared and the data that was collected? Um, so again, we asked the participants to role play being one of those technologies. And we asked them all of these questions about where they would set the limits, um, how their human values would actually moderate the way in which those particular technologies worked. Um, so that's the, some of the ways that we try to kind of jump into the future with people to actually put them in situations where mm. these technologies could be envisaged as a part of a reality and specu speculatively consider what really needs to be done to make those technologies human, to make them trusted and, and make them part of everyday lives that are filled with hope. The um, project I talked about earlier about the seniors and, and smart homes, that was a very different, a different kind of way of experimenting with putting people in a situation which they would never have otherwise experienced. So all the participants in our study, you know, they didn't have smart home systems. Um, they weren't planning to have smart home systems, but actually we kind of jumped them into an alternative parallel life, if you like, um, in which they did have them. 
um, and they learned to live with them and they learned um, what benefits that they would like to create with them for themselves and their lives, what made them feel good, what made them feel happy and what's really important because they wanted their homes to be well lit. Um, so that if they got up in the night, for example, they could actually put the lights on before they went into the corridor. Um, because, of course, a fall um, at their stage in life could, could be absolutely disastrous. Um, they very much enjoyed the um, using the digital voice assistants. Um, not necessarily. They used them to run some of the smart home tech, but they also enjoyed using them to ask the digital voice assistant to play music for them that it would find for them on the Internet, which was incredibly emotive and incredibly evocative. Um, so we also learned about you know, how people also create these new dimensions of their well-being at home with emerging technologies in, in ways that are possible through that technology, but which in the smart home context where the digital voice assistant is often thought of, some, of something that would be used to actually command the other technologies, it in fact had other very, very beautiful everyday uses.